You're listening to Comedy Central. Hey everybody, what's going on? Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. I'm Trevor Noah. It is Tuesday, August 25th, and we are now just 70 days away from the election. That's the reason you're starting to hear all those election day songs on the radio. Anyway, on tonight's show, the strange mix of hope and fear in night one of the RNC. Jerry Falwell Jr. reads from the book of sexy revelations, and Roy Wood Jr. and Desi Lydic play democracy's most depressing game show. So let's do this, people. Welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. From Turner's couch in New York City to your couch somewhere in the world, the Daily Social Distancing Show presents the Republican National Convention. Celebrating February's record economy. Yesterday was the start of the Republican National Convention, the first and only time Donald Trump has renewed his vows. And going into the convention, I thought it was gonna be tough for Donald Trump to sell himself for another four years. I mean, mostly because, you know, we live in a plague-scarred hellscape where 180,000 people have died and we can't go to a movie or hug our grandparents. But then, I watched the convention. And guys, it turns out that Donald Trump has actually done a really good job by preventing all of that from happening. From the very beginning, Democrats, the media, and the World Health Organization got coronavirus wrong. One leader took decisive action to save lives, President Donald Trump. The president quickly took action and shut down travel from China. Donald Trump's quick action and leadership saved thousands of lives during COVID-19. President Trump truly moved mountains to save lives and he deserves credit. Just imagine what 2020 would have looked like fighting for your life without Donald Trump fighting for it too. Huh. Imagine what 2020 would have been like without Donald Trump. Hey, do you wanna go eat dinner inside a restaurant? Okay, cool, I'll see you then. You're right, that would have sucked. Essentially, they're trying to convince everyone that this massive failure is actually a massive achievement, which is not something normal people do when they apply for a job. I see on your resume here, it says that you crashed a car into Dunkin' Donuts. Yeah, dude, but it would have been like a lot worse if Joe Biden was driving. And it's especially crazy, considering that at the last RNC, All they talked about was the four dead Americans in Benghazi. But now, they're acting like Trump did a great job by only having 45,000 Benghazis. But I guess it's true. Without Trump taking any action, millions more Americans could have died. So good on Republicans for seeing the glass of bleach half full. But Trump's failure with coronavirus is only one perception Republicans needed to change at their convention. Another one is that the GOP is a WAP, a white ass party. So last night, the party showcased their diversity by giving speakers slots to all four of America's black Trump supporters. And I don't know what they're gonna do for the rest of the week. I mean, Tim Scott has already spoken. So they're gonna have to bring him back out on Wednesday with a fake mustache like, hello, it's me, Senator Brimschmott, and I also support Donald Trump. And while some of the black speakers last night attested to how not racist Trump is, one of the speakers went even further and declared that the real racists are the Democrats. You may be wondering, why is a lifelong Democrat speaking at the Republican National Convention? And that's a fair question. And here's your answer. The Democratic Party does not want black people to leave their mental plantation. 
We've been forced to be there for decades and generations. But I have news for Joe Biden. We are free. We are free people with free minds. So let me get this straight. When other groups organize and vote by their interests, they get a fancy name like voting blocks. But when black people do it, you get told you're acting like an extra on roots. And why is it that the people who always say, you should be a free thinker, have a very specific set of instructions on how to think? Think for yourselves, black people. All right, man, I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna vote for the Democrats. No, I said think for yourselves, vote Republican. Okay, maybe I'll vote independent. Yo, you better start thinking for yourself. I mean, black women in this country vote Democrat more than anybody else. And I'll tell you now, nobody is more of a free thinker than a black woman. I dare you to try and brainwash a black woman. You'll come out of there joining her cult. I'm in the cult of, I should've shut my mouth. And also this argument is especially confusing coming from this dude, because he's saying the Democrats are trying to enslave you. Also, I'm a lifelong Democrat. That's like every confused meme on the internet at once. Like, does that mean he's keeping his own voters on the mental plantation? I feel like I need to watch 12 years of mental slave to understand what the fuck he's talking about. Now, to be fair, It's not that the RNC completely denied the existence of racism in America. They just think that racism is a less systemic problem and more of a personal obstacle on the way to an inspirational triumph. And two of their best speeches actually came from people who have made that exact journey. America is not a racist country. My father wore a turban. My mother wore a sari. I was a brown girl in a black and white world. We faced discrimination and hardship, but my parents never gave in to grievance and hate. My grandfather's 99th birthday would have been tomorrow. He suffered the indignity of being forced out of school as a third grader. Yet, he lived long enough to see his grandson become the first African-American to be elected to both the United States House and the United States Senate in the history of this country. Our family went from cotton to Congress in one lifetime. Look, whatever you think about Nikki Haley and Tim Scott, you cannot deny that they have inspiring stories. But here's the thing about them using their stories to show how exceptional America is. Haley and Scott are literally the exceptions. The fact that Tim Scott is one of the only black senators and Nikki Haley was one of the only minority governors is, if anything, an argument for the existence of systemic racism in America, not against it. Imagine being the sole survivor of a plane crash, looking around at the wreckage and going, wow, I wish all these other passengers could have persevered and overcome this crash just like me. Shout out to Boeing. I mean, if America didn't have a racism problem, then their achievements wouldn't be a big deal. Getting elected as a minority would be as easy as, say, mailing a letter. Well, I mean, that's a bad example, but you know what I mean. What I want is a world where a black man becoming a senator isn't inspirational. That's when black people will have really made it. When there's a black senator who's just like, yeah, so my dad was a CEO and uh, then his billionaire friend started a super PAC, so I guess I'm here now. Of course, there's really only one speaker anyone at the Republican convention wants to hear from. And that's Donald Jerry Falwell Trump. Well, I'm sorry to tell you that the president did not speak in primetime last night, but we did get a speech from his oldest disappointment, Don Jr., who briefly turned the convention into an infomercial. My father's entire worldview revolves around the idea that we can always do even better. Imagine the life you want to have 
one with a great job, a beautiful home, a perfect family. You can have it. Imagine the country you want to live in, one with true, equal opportunity. You can have it. Heroes are celebrated and the good guys win. You can have it. That is the life. That is the country. That is the world that Donald Trump and the Republican Party are after. And yes, you can have it. Honestly, put your hating aside, you have to admit Don Jr. would make a great motivational speaker. And not in the traditional way where he inspires you with quotes, more like in a way where people would look at him and say, if that guy can run a giant company and speak at a major political convention, that guy? Just imagine what I can accomplish if I put my mind to it. Also, if Donald Trump has already been president for almost four years, then why do we still have to imagine how great life could be if he was president? Trump's presidency is like your 48-year-old cousin's DJ career. If it hasn't been successful by now, it's not gonna be. But if Don Jr. couldn't get you on board with his vision of America, maybe the problem was that your TV volume wasn't loud enough. In which case, Don's girlfriend and former Fox News host Kimberly Guilfoyle turned it up for you. Do you believe in American greatness? Believe in yourself, in President Trump. His promise was to put America first, and he has. President Trump believes in you. He emancipates and lifts you up to live your American dream. You are capable, you are qualified, you are powerful, and you have the ability to choose your life and determine your destiny. Ladies and gentlemen, leaders and fighters for freedom and liberty and the American dream, the best is yet to come. Did that seem kind of loud to anyone? First of all, I wanna wish a speedy recovery to anyone who was listening on headphones. I'm praying for you. And I guess we also found the one person who actually signed up for Rudy Giuliani's masterclass. America! You know when you're at a party and the music turns off and then all of a sudden you're talking way too loud? That's basically what Guilfoyle did for an entire speech. And then I shat my pants! And aside from the speech being so loud that Canada called the cops, the actual content was also ridiculous. Donald Trump believes in me? The dude also believes in Kim Jong-un and hydroxychloroquine. I don't wanna be in that group. So, those were the big speeches. A full-throated defense of the idea that there's nothing Americans can't do if they put their minds to it. Although, there was also another big idea running through the whole night, which is that the one thing Americans won't be able to overcome is Joe Biden who will leave the country a permanently smoking ruin. Joe Biden and the radical left are now coming for our freedom of speech. They want to destroy this country. They want to steal your liberty, your freedom. You will not recognize this country or yourself. They want to abolish the suburbs altogether, no matter where you live your family will not be safe. The vengeful mob that seeks to destroy our way of life. The party that wants to burn down the foundations of our country to the ground. Crime, violence, and mob rule. They'll disarm you, empty the prisons, lock you in your home, and invite MS-13 to live next door. With no hope of escape except death itself. <gasps> Good God, I'm terrified and confused. Because if Joe Biden gets elected, MS-13 is gonna move in next door. 
but we won't live there anymore because we'll be kicked out of the suburbs. And if we try to go to church, the Democrats will call the cops on us, but there won't be any cops because they defunded the police. So we'll have to take ourselves to prison, but they abolished the prisons. So now all the criminals are out on the streets, which means they can shoot us, but they can't shoot us because the Democrats have taken away all the guns, which means all we can do is fight with our words, but we can't because words have been canceled. I don't know what it means. I mean, damn, that was a terrifying evening. No wonder Don Jr. was crying. But here's the thing that I don't think Republicans understand. It's hard to scare people about the damage Joe Biden could do after the damage Donald Trump has already done. Joe Biden could destroy your way of life. Dude, I'm Clorox wiping my grapes. How much worse could shit get? Oh, and by the way, this is also a lesson for the Democrats because they spent four days of their convention basically pitching a return to normalcy and bringing Republicans into their tent. I mean, John Kasich gave a full four minute speech and AOC had to fit hers into a TikTok, but it didn't count for shit. The RNC is still saying that Joe Biden is basically Joseph Stalin with a better smile. But that was night one of the RNC. And basically the party made sure that they had something for everyone. For people who feel like the country's in chaos, Trump will make it better. For people who feel like things are going fine, well, you have Trump to thank for that. If you're a minority, racism is just a small bump on your way to an idyllic life in the suburbs. And if you're scared of minorities, don't worry. Trump is gonna keep them out of your idyllic suburbs. If you're hard of hearing, Kimberly Guilfoyle has you covered. And if Kimberly Guilfoyle made you hard of hearing, well, President Trump will release his big, beautiful healthcare plan any day now. All right, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, we'll catch up on the trees, Russians, and hot sex lives of America's most devout evangelicals. So stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. It is night two of the Republican National Convention, but it is also night infinity of everything else that's going on. So let's catch up on all the other news in our unconventional checkup. Let's begin with Russia. It's like if a frown was a country. For years, only one prominent politician has had the courage or stupidity to stand up to the autocratic ruler, Vladimir Putin. But for Putin, that was apparently one too many. Doctors in Germany say a critic of Russian President Vladimir Putin was likely poisoned. Remember, doctors in Siberia had blamed Alexei Navalny's illness on a drop in blood sugar. Navalny was flown to Berlin for a treatment this weekend. The Russian dissident is in an induced coma. His supporters believe that somebody poisoned his tea before he got on a flight in Russia. Over the past several years, other Kremlin critics have been involved in apparent poisonings or suffered mysterious deaths. That's right. Russia's most prominent dissident was poisoned at the airport. And that means it was either Vladimir Putin or he ate the food at LaGuardia. Either way, we need a full investigation. No, I mean, come on, let's be real. It was most probably Vladimir Putin. I mean, the man uses so much poison, I wouldn't be shocked if we find him at the poison aisle in Costco. Should I buy 24 pack or 36? Yeah, you always end up using it. That's what makes it even more ridiculous that the Russian doctors didn't diagnose this as a poisoning. Although maybe that's how they teach it in Russian medical school. Doctor, this political dissident drank tea and then he collapsed. Yes, looks like he has a very common case of the sleepies. It happens to people who don't keep their mouths shut. I gotta say, it must be terrifying to live in a country where the leaders stay in power by trying to poison opposition candidates. 
So much more chill to be in a country where they can just do it by shutting down the post office. But democracy in America isn't defeated just yet. Because yesterday, Democrats in Congress called the Postmaster General Louis DeJoy to get answers out of him about what the hell is going on with the USPS. Postmaster General Louis DeJoy appearing on Capitol Hill yesterday to defend recent changes to the U.S. Postal Service ahead of the November election. The hearing before the House Oversight Committee was at times combative. In an exchange with Congresswoman Katie Porter of California, DeJoy acknowledged a lack of familiarity with some basic aspects of the Postal Service. You don't know the cost to mail a postcard. I don't. What if it's like one of those greeting cards that's a square envelope? Then what is the postage? I'll submit that I know uh, very little about a postage stamp. Within a million or so, can you tell me how many people voted by mail in the last presidential election? No, I cannot. To the nearest 10 million? <laughs> I will is be, that a no, I, Mr. DeJoy? I would be guessing. And I don't want to guess. I'm glad you know the price of a stamp, um, but I'm concerned about your understanding of this agency. God damn. This guy's like the worst person to bring to a trivia night. Okay, the next question is, what do you call the box that you put mail in? Oh my God, thank God we've got the Postmaster General on our team. What do you think, DeJoy? Um, okay, I know this one, they're blue. Oh, I'm taking all of them away. Oh, I should know this. But in a way, this is kind of refreshing to watch. I mean, we're so used to seeing guys in power mansplaining and going, well, actually, it's refreshing to see a man who's just like, look, lady, you tell me, I don't know shit. But let's move on to Jerry Falwell Jr., president of America's foremost evangelical university and werewolf that quit mid-transformation. Falwell, has been a fixture of the Christian conservative movement for 15 years since following his famous father into the family business. But now, all of a sudden, he's not. All right, breaking overnight, influential evangelical leader Jerry Falwell Jr. is indeed out as president of Liberty University. After a tumultuous day where his fate lurched back and forth, Falwell was put on indefinite leave two weeks ago after he posted a photo on social media showing him and a woman both with their pants unbuttoned. Questions about Jerry Falwell Jr.'s leadership at Liberty University in Lynchburg, Virginia, come after John Carlo Granda claimed in an interview with Reuters that he had a years-long sexual relationship involving Falwell's wife and the evangelical leader. Granda said he was 20 when he met the Falwells while working as a pool attendant at a Miami Beach hotel in March of 2012. Granda said their relationship continued until 2018 and involved him having sex with Becky Falwell while Jerry Falwell looked on. Okay, look, let's start off with this. What consensual adults do in their sex life is up to them and I don't judge anybody for anything. You do whatever tickles your exposed fly. But Falwell has made it his business to judge what everyone else is doing with their sex lives. He speaks out against gay relationships. And until just five years ago, students at his university weren't allowed to do anything beyond holding hands or even watch R-rated movies. Meanwhile, he's apparently letting this pool boy check his wife's chlorination levels. Honestly, Sometimes I think guys like this are reading a different Bible to the rest of us. Because the Bible I read says to love thy neighbor and judge not lest you be judged first. But this guy's Bible is like, these gays are gross, but here's something you can do that's super hot. And look, I've said it before, nothing is more dangerous to a relationship 
than a sexy pool boy. That is why I only use one of those pool cleaning robots. I mean, don't get me wrong, I still try to smash the thing, but it's not interested. And finally, an update on the terrible fires sweeping Northern California. The firefight continues for firefighters in Northern California, where three major wildfires are still burning in the Bay Area. Two of those fires are the second and third largest ever recorded in California. In one week, the fires have scorched more than 1.2 million acres, an area the size of Rhode Island. California has seen roughly 600 new wildfires pop up in just the past week. It's due to a combination of hot, dry weather and some 12,000 lightning strikes. This is Big Basin Redwoods. It was devastated by flames. However, many of those huge, massive redwood trees have survived, despite being burned. Okay, first of all, it is such a relief that most of the redwood trees survived this fire. Also, I like how they mention these fires are the size of Rhode Island. You know, three things are certain in life. Death, taxes, and a California fire being compared to the size of a random state because we're all terrible at math. So if you're keeping score at home, we've got 1.2 million acres of wildfire, two hurricanes in one week, and a pandemic raging across America. Like, I don't know if those are signs from God, but if I was Jerry Falwell Jr., I'd maybe stick to cold showers for a few weeks. When we come back, Roy Wood Jr. and Desi Lydic host the hot new game show that you might be playing against your will. So stick around. Welcome back to The Daily Social Distancing Show. North Carolina is shaping up to be a battleground state this year, but will we be able to trust that its voters will be treated fairly? Well, Desi Lydic and Roy Wood Jr. find out in their new and confusing game show. I'm Roy Wood Jr., she's Desi Lydic, and this is America's Got Suppression. The number one show about how the freest, most democratic country in the world keeps some of its citizens from voting. Tonight, we're in North Carolina, home of sandy beaches, delicious barbecue, and the most beautiful plantation weddings that your sorority sisters never should have had. That's right, Desi. And North Carolina is also ground zero for voting suppression in America. Let's meet our first contestant. Jaden is a college senior who loves his lucky hat, but doesn't love that his voting rights are being threatened by a voter ID law proposed by the state's Republican legislature. My experience with voter suppression comes from the North Carolina General Assembly trying to pass a voter ID amendment. I'm an out-of-state student in North Carolina, so I don't have uh, what they deem worthy um, IDs in North Carolina. All I have is a South Carolina driver's license and then my school ID. It's a legitimate ID. I mean, you can use it to get into the library. You can use it to get into bars, even when you're underage. You can use it to cut up cocaine. Okay, yeah. So you can't vote with that? You know, this law is being pushed by the Republican Party. And we all know college students tend to vote more Democratic, especially students at HBCUs. Ah, yes, HBCUs. That's historically African-American colleges and universities. You can say black. Oh, okay. Historically black colleges and universities. Wait, what did you just do? Let's get our next contestant. Vashti Hinton-Smith is always wearing glasses. And she was deprived of her voting power when her historically black college was gerrymandered. Gerrymandering is a mechanism that is used to draw voting districts to make sure you can get reelected. I always thought it was a sex act. No, Desi, it's when they dilute the power of a specific voting block, like splitting a school into two districts. Just look at that map and tell me that district isn't getting Vashti, how did you fight back against this in North Carolina? We've had court cases which 
it took a very long time to win. The North Carolina Supreme Court, they decided that this was a partisan gerrymander, which is illegal. Every year, every election, there's always a fight. So Mm -hmm. that doesn't make us the most suppressed. I don't know what does. You know, Roy, I gotta tell you, I have never experienced voter suppression before. Some people are just lucky, I guess. I think privilege is the word you're looking for. No, I think it's luck. Okay, next up is Dan McCready, a veteran and solo entrepreneur who has a friendly face. And while running for Congress in 2018, his Republican opponent's campaign allegedly used voter fraud to defeat him. Wow. Something seems off with this guy. This is, uh, this doesn't seem right, because this guy's, this guy's white. You're white, right? Uh, well, of course, his name is Dan. He's definitely white. Dan, I'm sorry about her, okay? Why do you think you've got what it takes to be the most suppressed? What happened in my race, which was the largest case of election fraud in modern day American history, I thought we lost by 905 votes, only to find out that my Republican opponent had hired a known criminal who sent workers to the doors of voters that they knew were likely to vote Democrats, including African-Americans. Oh, Dan, you can say black. No, no, you can't, Dan. Don't do that. Never mind, Dan. Those workers stole their ballots. They forged signatures. They filled in vote choices for people. It's interesting, Desi, because it's usually Republicans who accuse Democrats of voter fraud. Huh, that is interesting. But at the end of the day, the bipartisan Board of Elections in North Carolina voted 5-0 to hold a new election. All right, so they held a new election, Desi, and he won his office and fought back on that suppression. That's what I'm talking about, Congratulations, Dan. Now that is a happy ending. Well, unfortunately, uh, I I didn't win. But the important thing is that in this case, the system worked. So you lost twice, is what you're saying. He got cheated, he lost, and then he lost again. I got to give it up to you, Dan. I've never seen anybody get suppressed twice in the same election. Okay, time to take a last look at all our contestants and see which one has what it takes to win America's Got Suppression. That's right. Is it going to be restrictive ID laws, race-based gerrymandering, or outright voter fraud? This is tough, Desi. Absolutely. And the winner of America's Got Suppression is... Mitch McConnell? Oh, that makes sense. When voters are suppressed, he wins. Every time. To the other contestants, uh, you lose. So does democracy. Yes, it does. All right, well, it was fun playing with you. America's Got Suppression returns next week live from Atlanta, Georgia. You're making me do this again? Yeah, we have like 49 more states to do. Thank you so much, Roy and Desi. I can't wait for the next episode. All right, we have to take a quick break, but when we come back, I'll be talking to Chris Evans, AKA Captain America himself, about his new mission to save voting. So stick around. Welcome back to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Today I spoke with actors and filmmakers Chris Evans and Mark Kasson about their new venture called A Starting Point. It's a nonpartisan platform where you can learn about issues directly from elected officials. And apparently, it's only got facts. Check it out. Coming back each time to the place we knew, to people that were familiar, and it started to feel like we were doing something that was working and that people wanted to participate in. Well, we're gonna have to get you a permanent office. <laughs> I don't know if I can handle sure. that. Yeah. The hope is that we can become synonymous with an unbiased presentation of what is going on in Washington. 
Chris, Mark, welcome to the Daily Social Distancing Show. Thank you for having us. So let's jump straight into this idea, a starting point, a website where if I understand correctly, people can log on to just get the facts about politics and engage with their politicians. The question I have is, can you create a website that is nonpartisan if facts around politics are involved? Sure. I mean, that's the challenge, isn't it? There, there's three sections to the site, and I'll let the viewers go check it out themselves. But the first section is where we outsource to get fact-checked. That's where it is trying to demystify basic issues, not only by the elected officials themselves, but trying to give the electorate a perspective of not only the Democratic, but the Republican perspective to know where they fall in the, in the political landscape. There's no denying that now people say if a fact goes against what they believe in, well, then it's been influenced, it's been faked, it's been affected. So, Mark, how do you play into convincing people that the fact is, in fact, a fact? You know, Chris and I, uh, and Joe, we talked a lot about this going in on how we would do that and what we would do. And if you look at the different fact-check websites, it becomes arbitrary really quickly and very debatable. So what we did is the best that we could do. A, we keep the answers very short, so they can't say too much. You know, everything's under pretty much two okay. minutes. So that, that, that uh, <laughs> stops too much bloviating. But two, we handed it over to another organization that just handles uh, accountable dealing with policy and, and, and tracking bills. So therefore, then when people want to say, well, we couldn't find any backup for that, we couldn't find any backup for this, and then it is incumbent upon people to say, well, then where do we go to find more backup? And we right. try to do some breadcrumbs. But we, again, we're just a starting point. I, I like that you call it that, a starting point, because it feels like, I mean, please forgive the pun, but it feels like this is endgame. You know, and now you, you, you're starting off where it feels like we're long past. Like, people, people don't seem to care about what a thing is. They care about how it feels right now. Sure. Do you think you can get people back to a place where they go to look for facts before they make a decision on who or what they vote for? Sure. I mean, even what you said earlier, that, that kind of dizziness of the obfuscation, deliberate obfuscation by a lot of people in power to kind of muddy the waters, and it becomes this kind of, uh, you know, Ouroboros. And, and I think that does breed a kind of disinterest and apathy. And so, so I think what we're trying to fight against is, is the exhaustion that the political landscape can present with the dizzying of, you know, subjective information, subjective facts, and just trying to connect people back to elected officials, the, the political landscape itself, in an effort to try and, you know, breed uh, participation so that, so that democracy you know, doesn't die, not to be dramatic, but, but that, that's what'll happen. The folks in DC that you see on TV are talking about things that the folks who elected them are concerned with. That's the, what we're really committed to more in saying, this is the fact, this is the way forward. We're not the authority. We're trying to help soften the tenor of the conversation to be a more productive dissonance. That was good, Mark. Remember everything you said. Thanks, Thanks Ken. <laughs> I'm going to steal one of your analogies. <laughs> yeah. Let's put that on the site. So you don't have likes, you don't have dislikes, you don't have comments, you don't have... You, you basically don't have the internet on your, on your website, which is, I mean, it's very old school. But I would like to know, though, why don't you have likes? Why don't you have dislikes? Why don't you have comments? Well, because I think it's a bit of a negative reward mechanism. I mean, I, I, I may not be the only one on this call to say that, you know, it's, it's, it's not refreshing. You know, anytime you go and scroll through the comments section, you don't walk away saying, man, I feel better now. Um, so, so I think sometimes the tail can wag the dog when it comes to political comment sections. I think you can kind of trick the algorithm, tailor what you want to say to encourage likes and seem louder or, or, or more relevant than you are. And so I think we just wanted to kind of remove that. And, and again, I think that's actually one of the contributing factors that makes people turn away from politics because it is, the vitriol is just at an all-time high. Right. So I right. think just to try and make the landscape committed to a more scholastic uh, intent than kind of the, the kind of toxicity that sometimes 
you know, individual opinions can have. And then also, you know, we do have one way that people can get feedback, which is they can take two actions on our site. One is to register to vote. And the other is they can connect to their elected officials directly. They can reach out. And I think we've registered almost 7,000 people to vote so far, and over 35,000 people have reached out to their elected officials. So at least to us, an engagement is if you reach out to your elected official. An engagement is if you register to vote and actually do something. Um, Chris, I have to ask you this question. Right on. There's no, there's no denying that many people consider you a woke bay, right? Online, people know, know that you share your views. You know, you have left-leaning views. You're a progressive. You've never hidden this. Yeah. To be the face or one of the faces of this website means that some people are going to automatically assume that some of the things you are doing are trying to push people to the left or not. How do you assure people that it's not happening? And more importantly, how do you stay away from doing what you believe is right because of your political beliefs? Yeah, well, I'll still express my opinions when, when I feel called to do that. I don't think one has to step on the other. I, I led with the fact that, you know, look, I, everyone knows I'm democratic. Everyone knows I have my issues with certain people and, and, and I won't hide those. But, but when you examine the mechanism of the website, it's virtually impossible. I mean, at least I would argue virtually impossible for me to somehow inject my opinion into the mechanism of each section. Each section is pretty airtight in terms of just trying to give the elected officials a platform and encourage connectivity between those two parties, the, the, the elected officials and constituents, rather. So, again, I, I understand people's concern, but, but like I said, I've been trying to shout that, that I'm aware of it, too. You have to talk to a lot of politicians who you don't necessarily agree with, both of you. Um, Chris, you caught a little bit of flack when people saw you take a picture with Ted Cruz's daughter and it was like, oh, you're with Ted Cruz. How can you be taking pictures with Ted Cruz? And you're like, well, I'm here for the daughter and Ted Cruz said it's for my daughter, but then there's Ted Cruz in this. How, how do you balance that on your side? Because I mean, it is, it is a little bit weird. Some people are like, I don't agree with any of your politics, but as Captain America, I would like to take a picture with you. You may even go like, I hate this policy that you enacted on human beings, but as Captain America, I understand that you'd like to take a picture with me. How, how do you balance that? And, and how do you respond to people who go, Chris, how could you do that? Yeah. Well, in that circumstance, it was a child. I'll always take a picture with a kid. Um, right. but, but, but in general, just even sitting down with certain politicians, there are certain people on you know, the extremes of both parties who there's no wiggle room for that. And, and again, what I would argue is, look, if this person wasn't in power, if this person wasn't writing bills that affected your life, fine. We, we can shun them, you know what I mean? We can scream louder than them. But we can't pretend they don't have some sort of stay, some sort of impact. Right, and right, I think right. far more pernicious to become stubborn and retreat to your corner than it is to say, okay, I wholeheartedly disagree with you. I think you may even, you know, infringe upon human rights, you know, something that, that you know, offends me deeply as a person. I'll still let this be a landscape of competing ideas and get you out that way. Because I, I think the other way just becomes cyclical and, and everyone spirals and, and no one listens. And, and I don't think you move the ball down the field as effectively as you would if you say, okay, let's just, you know, out talk me. And these are elected officials, right? I mean, they are responsible for passing legislation that will affect our lives. I mean, Chris did something, Tim Scott came on, he said, listen, you and I don't agree on a lot of things, and, and, but I appreciate that you'll let me have a conversation on uh, about things that I know you don't agree. And I think if we can do that, maybe people can get better at having conversations, at least at Thanksgiving around the dinner table with things yeah. they don't agree with without punching each other in the face. Well, as your website uh, name suggests, we hope that this is a starting point. Congratulations to both of you, and hopefully more people will register to vote and more people will engage with their elected officials. Chris, Mark, I appreciate having you on the show. Thanks, Thanks. I appreciate it, man. Well, that's our show for tonight. But before we go, we talked about it tonight. 
but California is in trouble right now. The wildfires there are out of control and have already burned over a million acres and destroyed thousands of homes. One of the agencies helping out on the ground right now is the Center for Disaster Philanthropies Wildfire Recovery Fund. They support communities across the state, especially ones with vulnerable populations, as they work to rebuild and recover from wildfires. Until tomorrow, stay safe out there, wear a mask, and if Vladimir Putin invites you to a tea party, find an excuse. The Daily Show with Trevor Noah, Ears Edition. Watch The Daily Show weeknights at 11, 10 Central on Comedy Central and the Comedy Central app. Watch full episodes and videos at thedailyshow.com. Follow us on Facebook, Twitter, and Instagram, and subscribe to The Daily Show on YouTube for exclusive content and more. This has been a Comedy Central podcast. 